Have you ever wondered what life is like for young adults who were blessed to be educated at home by the people who love them most? Our guest today is Clara Davison, here to talk about modern life as a homeschool graduate. Welcome to Homeschooling Saints, the podcast that helps you create the homeschool you love for the people you love. Our host is Lisa Maladnik, a Catholic life coach, TV host, best-selling author, and an instructor at Homeschool Connections. Before we get started, remember to subscribe to this podcast so you never miss an episode. And if you're watching on YouTube, click the bell to join our channel. Hello and welcome. I'm Lisa Maladnik, your host, and today we're talking with Clara Davison about living this modern life as a homeschool graduate. Clara Davison is a homeschool graduate and the brand manager at HolyHeroes.com, which a lot of our homeschool families are familiar with. Following her college graduation, she returned to her family's business to run the Holy Heroes online programs, write blogs, and create various resources for the store. Her favorite Holy Heroes resources are the glory stories, audio dramas, especially Volume 9. I'm going to ask her about that. (laughs) She lives in North Carolina with her husband and daughter. And in the show notes, you'll see a direct link to her free programs at holyheroes.com. That'll be there for you. And also the direct link to holyheroes.com. Welcome to the program, Clara. Thank you for having me. Oh, it's just a joy. We've been talking a little bit ahead of time, and uh, it's just so nice to meet a young person who has had, uh, you know, really good foundational experience and then can speak to it for those of us who either have homeschooled and our kids are kind of out there mm-hmm. or we're in the thick of it. We're in, kind of in the weeds. But before we get to that, I'd really like you to just uh, start with why Volume 9 of the Glory Stories audio dramas is your favorite, because that really intrigued me. What did you love about it? Yeah, so there are 17 volumes now. I'm sure there will be more in the very near future. We're working on some. Um, I was actually in volume seven when I was six years old. I was Aww. a young St. Clair. So I guess that one should be my favorite. And I do like it. <laughs> it's funny to listen to it. Um, but I love volume nine because it's Jose Luis. And I think he is just one of those blesseds that is wildly popular now. Um, his story is incredibly profound. He was a child martyr, died for his faith. Um, and it especially now having a child of my own, there's a whole component of his story, which involves his mother and how much she encouraged him even up to the point of his death. So it's just a story that makes me cry every time I listen to it. I share it with friends and they cry and it's just a beautiful, beautiful story. So they're all wonderful. There's something about audio dramas that just engage your imagination and your brain. And especially when they are about true stories of Catholic heroes, um, the saints and the blesseds. That one is just one of my favorites. Yeah, it is incredibly moving. And I believe there was a very good movie on the Cristo Wars. I can't remember the name of it now. Um, um, I think it's For Greater Glory. For Greater Glory. That's, yeah, I, I, I think have you're not right. personally watched it, but yes. Yeah, so for those of you who are going, what are they talking about them in Mexico at a certain point in history? The Catholic Church was shut down by the government and priests were murdered and, and all sorts of the terrible things happened. But people who continued to pra- 
practice their Catholic faith are often were martyred. And so when we're talking about Jose Luis, we're talking about a very young boy who ended up following the Cristo warriors, basically, and helping them and was captured and tortured and, and then killed. Uh, just a really brave young person, incredibly inspiring. Yeah, so he's my favorite. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, so understandable. You're giving me the holy shivers. I love it. Okay. So we're talking about homeschooling today. And see, we already have touched on what's so important about homeschooling. Just the fact that his history means so much to you, that you've been grounded so powerfully in a living faith. Say a little bit about your own family and what your homeschooling life was like. Absolutely. So I um, never went to school. I was homeschooled all the way through 12th grade. Um, I don't know if I really did K through 12 because I don't know if, you know, kindergarten is really something that makes it into a lot of big families once there's a ton of kids. <laughs> um, I am one of eight. I'm the second oldest. Um, so, uh, you know, I may have actually had kindergarten. I don't know if my youngest sibling did just in the pile. Uh, it was seven girls and one boy. My brother is the middle child. Um, wow. I think a lot of people like to you know, exclaim at this point, like, oh, whoa, one boy, that poor boy. But in our <laughs> minds, he was the only one who had his own room. So we don't really feel that way. Um, and we were all homeschooled. Um, my parents at this point only have two left at home, still homeschooling, a senior and a sophomore in high school. So they're almost at the end. Um, but it was just an awesome experience. We moved a lot. There was a lot of kids. There was a lot of activity. We did, I think, every possible curriculum under the planet. And now um, my younger siblings will talk about curriculums that didn't even exist when I was a kid. Um, wow. So it was, a really, it was a really good time. I look back on those years really, really fondly. What a wonderful testament to a big family, too, because there are so many people out there. I was listening to a podcast just yesterday, one of my favorite kind of marketing gurus, and <laughs> somebody came on, uh, actually, it was sort of like a webinar. Someone came on that had eight children, and she kept saying, oh, my gosh, eight children. I was like, shut up. You have no idea what you're <laughs> talking about. Um, and she didn't mean it in a mean way. She just, it just kept striking her as something overwhelming. And the, and I was only able to have one child. So I looked at the big families as abundantly blessed. And I grew up in a family of six kids. So I know the beauty of that family circus. It's hard sometimes. No question yeah. has its challenges, but it also is this whole, like you said, you moved around a lot, but there was always a lot going yeah. on and there was all of you together. Yeah. No, it is. I think when you move a lot, and I guess maybe if you lived in the whole place, in the one place growing up your whole life, having siblings is really, uh, you don't, I think, always realize how important that is. But the older I get, the more I've realized it. Um, I have three siblings in the military. And just this weekend, they're all on the same base, which is pretty shocking for the military. Um, this will, we think the only year they'll all end up at the same place just with their education and their assignments. So I'm flying out there tomorrow. My sister is also flying with her kids. Um, and we're all just going out to hang out as a family. And it's very interesting. Every time we go out to this base, it's the U S air force Academy base in Colorado Springs. Every time we go, the other 
cadets and officers will just be so shocked. They'll say like, wow, like you have all these siblings. And I think there are people who do make kind of offhanded, odd, rude comments about large families. But I think even more than that, there are just so many people who are just so shocked, but in a good way, because they see, especially in the world today, when there are really tough family dynamics, a lot of people, you know, they are only children and they're navigating their parents' divorce as an only child. And that's really hard. And there are really lonely parts of modern family structures that I think we don't talk about. So when they see a family that is big and there are nieces and grandparents involved, that is just a very shocking experience. And we've received like some really kind and sweet things from these very young military officers who are like, wow, this is really nice to know that this is possible. And like, oh, you know, I always, I never met anyone like this, but this is really nice. Yeah, you bet it is. You bet it is. And um, what they're sensing too, is that the really special bonds, that it is a community of love and with all of its complexities and ups and downs, but such a powerful community of love. And, and I've read other things and had other great conversations with homeschoolers of big families too, where, you know, homeschooling a big family is very green. You know, they're very good at <laughs> recycling clothing and all packing yes. into lots of people into one van to go somewhere. They're very good carpoolers and all sorts of things. Like you can make sort of a, a case for it being a positive thing societally, but the experience of the family is just irreplaceable. It really is. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so so having come from that environment of the family, grounded in faith, just noting, and we won't beat a dead horse here, but say whatever is relevant to you about it, our times are pretty confused. I think we most of us would agree. What are the key advantages that you notice from the background that you have with faith and family of just being out in this world as it is now, as a young person? Yeah, I think just growing up in a family that took its faith very seriously. And I, and I think sometimes when we say like taking your faith seriously, that can get very overwhelming, especially to perhaps someone who's a convert or a revert didn't grow up with this really actively practiced at home. Um, the idea of being a practicing Catholic family can feel very overwhelming and they can feel like they need to do a lot of things. And in some ways that's really awesome if you do a lot of things. Um, but the older I get and the more I look back on, you know, my childhood and I look at what my siblings still talk about the things that were really profound, I don't always think are the things parents think will be profound. Um, <laughs> Great point. I don't really remember any liturgical craft that really is pivotal in my faith. And that, and again, <laughs> if you are a crafter, like that is, that is amazing. Um, That's so consoling because I've yeah. never been much of a crafter. <laughs> no, I'm such a and, failure and I'm not at either. it. <laughs> I'm not either. And it's, you know, and that's kind of what I tell myself, like, I can't think of any of these. And there were probably like, really fun things. I'm sure my mother's going to listen to it and say, like, are you kidding me? Like, do you know the things I did with you? Um, yeah. But the things I remember are just how seriously my parents took their personal faith. Um, like my dad did an adoration hour at 8 a.m. on Mondays and we weren't required to go. Sometimes like some of us would want to go. 
one of the perks of being homeschooled. It's a very flexible schedule. Um, but that wasn't required, but we all knew he went. And that doesn't seem like much, but that is impactful to kids when you're trying to teach them your faith and they see you leading by example. Um, I always tell people like, it's really fun growing up Catholic. Like, especially, like I said, I moved a lot, but no matter where I moved, the mass was always the same on Sundays. Like that is a grounding presence that you don't have in a lot of other Christian denominations because it is different. And I would watch my friends who weren't Catholic move. And it was a big process trying to find a church because it is, it's not uniform. It's not universal. So just having that every Sunday, regardless of where we lived, whether it was Minnesota, whether it was California, North Carolina, wherever it was, the mass was the same. And that was really comforting on Sundays during the weeks, adoration, the liturgical year. I remember when I don't even know how old I was, but when I really realized that like, oh, this is going to be the same every single year. And I think it was when I realized that I knew the Sunday after Christmas is the feast of the Holy Family. Because I remembered from last year and there's a comfort that comes from the cyclical nature that it isn't just like the calendar or the school year, but it really is your prayer life and your liturgy follows this rise and fall of somber times, celebratory times. There are feast days that are, are, you know, always going to be there for you and you can build traditions around those. And maybe it is a craft um, or maybe it's just a special prayer that you pray, something you do. Um, my family growing up would pray a nine month novena from the feast of the Annunciation to Christmas for those nine months that Jesus was in the womb. And it was just the same prayers every night for nine months. And wow. come to think of it, I haven't done that novena for like, since I left the home when I graduated from high school. Um, but I like still know all of it. And it's still something that I tell people about. And it's probably something that, you know, I have a 15 month old now that I'll say like, oh yeah, we need to do that. You know, once she starts to um, pray verbally right now, she's just kind of running around like crazy. So (laughs) how wonderful. It's so nice to hear too, that it's really almost the bigger things. Do you know what I mean? Like the the response to the liturgical year can be very unique. Some people are very crafty. Some people, you know, maybe just read a chapter from a saint book or something like that on that saint's day, or maybe, um, you know, whatever it might be. Just go to Mass and maybe talk about it a little bit. Conversations in the car. Um, So the response can be really different, but the awareness of it, like you said, the rising and the falling, the somber and the celebratory, being able to anticipate, which of course children love, and they love to be in the know about what's happening. (laughs) And there's a deeper wisdom there too, because as you got older, you experienced that rising and falling differently as you matured. And so I like to think of it as a treasure map that you're kind of digging almost deeper (laughs) and deeper into each of these experiences as you go. Um, Yeah, anything else that you wanted to note about key advantages before I ask you the flip side? (laughs) Hmm. You know, I think there's a huge focus on, you know, kind of the benefits from a religious perspective, um, which are absolutely there. You can go to daily mass, you can do adoration. There's a lot more flexibility. Um, but just education wise, um, I, I went to college, I went to the university of North Carolina at Chapel Hill. It's, you know, pretty competitive university to get into. It was, I was an honors there and being homeschooled prepared me far and away 
compared to many other students. There were plenty of students that were smarter than me. There were plenty of students who perhaps had more skill sets going into college. But I think one of the big fears when you homeschool is that maybe your kids aren't going to be prepared to the college level. Um, and I, that just could not be further from the truth. I mean, just the ability to manage your own schedule, a level of responsibility that comes from, especially being homeschooled in high school, when it is your responsibility to read a syllabus and keep up with homework. And it's a lot more self-awareness and self-motivation that starts at a much younger age that I think I would see some of my peers in our freshman year of college that had just never been instilled in them because they had been in a classroom and then they had to go to a next class. And there was kind of outside forces pushing them through this system. Not that there aren't, you know, your parents there when you're being homeschooled, but there's less handholding in homeschooling at times, which sometimes people don't realize because they think like, oh, your mom graded your work. Well, no, I was in online classes. Like my mom didn't grade my work. You know, Mm -hmm. I was doing a lot of other things. Um, so yeah, I think that was a big deal to me just to realize how well I was educated and just the personal motivation that I felt when it came to my education, because I also wasn't like burned out by teachers in classrooms when I got to college. I was incredibly excited to be there. I loved being in classrooms and having access to all these teachers who I could just go to their office and talk to. Um, And I was really excited to all of that. But then I also had the background that kind of motivated me to think outside the box and not feel super confined. So I did, I had received a research grant to write a paper just simply because I pitched a paper idea that I wanted to write and the university paid me to write it. Um, I just went up to a professor after class and said like, oh, I was really interested in your research. Um, And she reached out to me months later and offered me a job on a research project that I ended up being published for. Um, That's something that you just have to be the type of person who doesn't feel like, oh, well, it wasn't on the syllabus. So I didn't really think about it. I feel like homeschooling prepares you to think outside the box because your entire education has been non-traditional because right off the bat, you aren't doing school the way it's kind of portrayed to you in books, which is like, you just, you sit in your desk in a classroom and do what everyone else around you is doing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's such a great, um, we're going to take a short break just to hear from our sponsor, but I love hearing that intellectual freedom and enthusiasm that homeschoolers bring to college campuses. Folks, stay tuned. We'll be right back. Hi, I'm Walter Crawford. And I'm Maureen Whitman. We are the co-founders of homeschoolconnections.com and proud sponsors of the Homeschooling Saints podcast. Which is here to help you homeschool more joyfully, more easily, and more effectively. We want to thank you for listening. And we invite you to check out our courses at homeschoolconnections.com. And now back to our program. Hey, we're back. Uh, Just want to say again how impressed I am with young people who come out of homeschooling families. They tend to be, you know, there's always people tend to ask, what about socialization, right? Tend to be very social and engaged with people at all levels because of this kind of diverse experience they've had of being socialized within families and networks. And so there you were taking advantage of things and a doors opening for you that wouldn't have opened for somebody else who was just following the syllabus. Such a great point. Yeah, I honestly... I think everyone gets 
probably parents and students, you get a little nervous when you graduate from being homeschooled and you have that moment. Um, but I mean, it just prepares you in ways that I don't think you can put on paper all the time, but the knowledge and the ability to motivate yourself and then also go and seek out help because you've already been in situations in your life where you've been doing something on your own and been confused or not really understood and had to go ask your parents for help or some direction. So that's already built into how you learn versus someone who perhaps didn't learn that because they were in a classroom and they were approached and asked by a teacher what they needed help with or if they needed something explained. So they didn't have that innate practice of going and seeking help, which you really do have to do on a college campus. Like regardless of the college, regardless of how big it is or how small the classrooms are, it it's on you because you're now an adult to go seek help. And if you aren't prepared to do that, and if that hasn't been sort of expected of you in your education before, that can be a huge stumbling block. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Just to to know that you can reach out for that help and to and to absolutely and to have had a little practice asking. It's not yeah. easy, <laughs> you know, when you're in a new place. Um, just touch on some of, if any, um, ways that you've noticed that you've struggled or had a maybe a sharp learning curve because you were coming out of the home rather than the public system. Yeah, I think. Um... I think kind of the biggest one was when I started, I did start college classes when I was about 16, just at the community college. Um, and the state of North Carolina community college is free before you graduate from high school. So a lot of kids, public, private, homeschool, will go in and start taking classes during high school. And I remember when I started when I was 16, um, just being very shocked um, about how, how uneven the educational playing field is per se. Um, so I think honestly, one of the biggest disadvantages was I sent, spent a lot of time in classes waiting for teachers to catch other students up to speed. And I don't mean that in, you know, a conceited way, but just in a way of, I had to have a moment where I said like, Oh, okay. My parents probably sacrificed a lot. And I'm at a very different space than I could have been if I had been in a classroom where I could have just squeaked by without teachers really noticing. Um, Cause for as much as homeschooling, you have to go seek help. Um, your parents are also going to know if you aren't doing your work. <laughs> and sometimes that is not always the case in certain educational environments, just because there are a lot of kids. Um, so that was a big one was having to sit in classes and kind of having to get over myself a little bit because in my efficient mind, I was like, I could have taught this to myself. Like, this is a waste mm -hmm. of my time to be here for 50 minutes. Um, but you do have to be there because there are people who perhaps didn't have the opportunities you had. Um, and you just have to be gracious and kind and just understand how to work on a team. Um, something that you do learn in a big family, but classrooms are even bigger than that. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And you're already used to, like you said, just kind of having to be patient or whatever that's already in you. But it but it must be frustrating um, 
suddenly having to be in that remedial environment where there are a lot of different levels of learning. When my daughter took her high school, college yep. courses, yes. um, she took a college chemistry class and ended up privately tutoring two of the adult students because yep. they could see that she was getting A's, that she was enjoying, that she was participating. And they said, hey, could you? And I would drive, she wasn't even driving yet. I was driving her to the library to meet them so she could tutor them in chemistry at the college yeah. level. And that, yeah. and it's not because chemistry turned out to be her thing. It's because she was a learner. It's because she knew how to take something and learn it, just like you were describing. Not this intimidation thing of always thinking about the test or whatever, but what's to be learned here? Uh, yeah. Really different mindset, isn't it? Um, yeah. So anything else that you've noticed that, that you kind of take with you as a homeschooler that might be jarring or, or create a growth edge? Yeah, I think that was the big thing. I think there was just natural, you know, parts of college that there are just classes you're just not going to be as good at. You just aren't. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, there can be a whole debate about is that mindset? Can everyone perform on the same level? Is this resources? But there were just generally some things I was not very interested in learning. And <laughs> there were definitely some tests that reflected that for better or for worse. But overall, I mean, I was an English and political science double major. Um, statistically, that's not surprising with homeschoolers. We're seeing huge levels where they tend to go into liberal arts. Um, that's not true for all of my siblings. I have two siblings that are engineers. That was not my path. Um, mm -hmm. <laughs> but, you know, I just I had a great experience and I think it just prepared me so well for so many different things I did in college. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. You, you, you're, you started out well-educated as a, as a learner and in so many ways, and, and you've just gone up some levels and you can always do more. I'm sure you're, I'm sure you're learning all the time, especially with running the family business. Um, say a little bit about what you see out into the future for homeschooling your daughter. I think I am part of maybe not the first generation, but the probably the largest generation that was homeschooled and is now turning around to educate their children at home too. Um, honestly, I get asked a lot if I'm in a homeschool, my daughter, and I can't imagine not. I think there's a little bit of you do what you know. So a lot of parents who were educated in public or private environments, it's a huge leap for them to homeschool because it's just not what they know. And for me, because it is what I know, it just seems like a no-brainer. Like, oh, yeah, yeah, I'm going to do that. Like, I'm not even worried. Um, <laughs> and I'm starting to realize, as you know, I have friends who have kids, you know, two, three, four, and they start talking about this and wondering about this. I'm like, oh, have you looked at this curriculum? And I just realized that I know all these things from my experience and from different curriculums I used growing up. So that is kind of handy that I do have that knowledge. I will say that is very helpful. But I think this generation, especially post-COVID, post-2020, um, the idea of homeschooling is much more approachable. Um, a lot more people are doing it, just point blank. Um, and a lot more people are enjoying it, I think, especially when they see some of the alternatives. If there are, or, excuse me, if there are alternatives um, to it right now in certain places. So I am really excited. Because as much as I loved homeschooling growing up, it definitely was not mainstream at all. And I'm sure you can speak to that too when you were homeschooling your daughter. 
Now I feel like it is very mainstream. There are many more resources. Technology has just progressed to a point that there's sort of no going back for this being a very valid and productive option for families now when it comes to picking an education method. So I am excited. I think all that to be said, I probably, as I start to look for, you know, early childhood educational resources, I tend to be someone who really enjoys programs that focuses on outdoors, literature. Um, I realize I'm using like all these Charlotte Mason buzzwords. <laughs> um, Charlotte I Mason I'm, a, I'm starting next month. I am in a Charlotte Mason book club with like all of these mothers who are going to be way older than me. And I'm going to be this like person with a 15 month old who's like, I would love to be a part of this. I'll read mm-hmm. the books with you. Like she can't really do anything yet. <laughs> um, so that, that's going to be fun. It's, I'm still yeah. in the super fun age where I can talk all I want and, uh, make a bunch of plans, but I don't really have to do anything yet. So <laughs> I'm in a pretty sweet area right now of my parenting. Yeah. Nice. Nice. I love it. Are, are there any things that you can think of? I know it's hard because your daughter's, maybe her learning style and everything isn't all yeah. 100% clear yet. And she hasn't established <laughs> hobbies and relationships yeah. and things that might show you a little bit of the path ahead. But any thoughts on things that you'd like to do kind of uniquely in your own homeschool? Um, I love art. I think if I had picked another major, I would have been an art history major. Um, and so I love all of the resources that you can use to introduce sacred art, particularly sacred art, because I think that kind of combines art with, you know, religion, um, and kind of two birds and one stone, just kind of knock it out in one lesson. Um, so I'm really excited just to use a lot of sacred art books. I have, Mysteries of the Rosary, Sacred Art Prints um, from Holy Heroes, shameless plug. Um, and I do use them and I have a shelf in my kitchen and I change them out depending on the feast day. So we just had Queenship of Mary at the at the time of this recording. That was relatively recent. And I have that one up and I'll probably change it out. Well, we have Mary's birthday coming up, so I don't think I'm going to change that out for a little bit. But just like little things like that, I'm really excited for when she starts to realize that I'm doing it. Again, mm-hmm. right now, I, I don't think she realizes that I'm doing that. This is a labor of love all for myself. Um, <laughs> but I am excited for all of the books and the picture study resources and all the kind of fun things you can do with that. Because I just feel like that for me, that's my craft. I'm not going to do crafts, but I will change out the sacred art in our kitchen. Awesome. Awesome. All right. Well, it sounds like it's going to be just a beautiful and varied environment where she'll start to just grow up and absorb the richness of it all and the beauty of it all. Any final thoughts to, to leave with our listeners? Um, I think just, I hope everyone, even if you're having kind of a rough season of homeschooling, that you would know that it is, that it's worth it. And It can be such a huge blessing to your family, even if it's not feeling that way right now, like seasons all come to an end and there can be better ones. And I'm glad I sort of have this perspective because I was homeschooled and I watched a lot of other kids grow up in my family being homeschooled. So I know that 
it is just a huge blessing. And even if there are struggles and hard times, there are just so many resources to help you get through that period because it is worth it. Mm. Amen. Amen. Everybody check out holyheroes.com. And I also have in the show notes that direct link to the beautiful Holy Heroes free activities for Catholic families. Uh, can't thank you enough, Clara, for being with us, especially with a little one around. I don't know if she's napping right now. Maybe we should yes, be quiet. Yes, she is. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Good girl sleeping for mom. Uh, yeah. Yeah, thank you. And we've got to have you back because we have so many other things we want to talk about. And I want to also step into liturgically some of the fantastic resources that you've got at holyheroes.com for the liturgical year. So stay tuned, everybody. We're going to hear more from Clara Davison in the future, God willing. And uh, God bless your family, Clara, and God bless everybody listening. Thank you so much for being with us. Thank you. And that's our show for today. Our program is sponsored by homeschoolconnections.com. Be sure to subscribe to Homeschooling Saints and leave us an honest review. God bless you and thank you for joining us. <laughs>